Hi, everybody. This is uh, our show, Inland Poets Talking About Inland Art. And my name is John Branningham. I, I teach at Mount San Antonio College. I'm a writer in the area. I help to host the San Gabriel Valley Literature Festival and several, several poetry readings. And um, we just hope every week to come here and talk about different art that we see around the inland valleys. And I'm going to let everybody introduce themselves. Why don't you go, Ken? Oh, okay. So I'm Kendall Johnson, and I am a writer and painter. Um, recently graduated from, from a career in enjoying finding my own way at this point. Um, uh, art's been something I've done for a long, long time anyway. So I've had an eye out for the Inland Valley art and enjoying it. I'm just tickled that we're coming together and talking about it like this. And George. Uh, my name is George Hammonds. I am a local poet and photographer, and that's all you need to know for right now. <laughs> Matt. Uh, I'm Matt Cedillo. I am a, a writer, a poet, and I'm also the literary director at the Doss Center for the Arts. Okay. And we're going to be talking about a piece that is very physically close to you, uh, Matt, today. We're going to take a look. This is the Carl Benjamin mural done by David Flores. It's a mural of Carl Benjamin done by an artist named David Flores, and it's at 400 West 2nd Street on the side of a, a building. That's right in the Pomona Arts Colony. Now I'm going to show it to you right here. And if you've ever drive, driven into the Pomona Arts Colony, this is likely, depending on which way you're coming in, this is likely the, the image that greets you. It kind of uh, delineates the, the very edge of the, of the colony. Um, and I, th I thought maybe we could start with some background uh, and Ken, just on who Carl Benjamin was, what is his artistic style, what a little, maybe a little bit of his biography. Love to. Um, partly because he was a friend of mine. And um, I grew up in this area and knew his kids. And I knew Carl. Um, I got reacquainted with Carl uh, not too long ago when we had a big political movement to save Johnson's pasture, which is a hunk of, of land my family had for some time in its, its possession. And uh, it's now a city uh, wilderness area that, that um, is a result of a multifaceted political action. And part of that was to mobilize the art community. And I approached uh, Carl with this idea and let's have an art show. We won't be selling things for money. It's just to raise awareness. And I said, would you curate it? And he said, yep. And started making assignments for people to contact people. And we had this wonderful turnout fascinating thing and it was basically due to a fundamental generosity of the spirit of Carl. Um, I was looking at that face again and thinking how apt it is. It conveys his personality. Um, kind of an exterior fierceness covering a marshmallow. Uh, the guy is really a sweet, sweet fellow and um, he, he occupies an interesting space in California art. 
the West Coast was de developing its own art voice in contradistinction to the New York abstract expressionists. And up in San Francisco area, they were focusing on figurative art. In Southern California, four artists um, took expressionism to a, a wilder, more abstract phase. And so the concept of hard edge expressionism, hard edge ex abstraction um, came into play. And Carl was one of those guys. He was an interesting fellow. He managed to survive World War II as a tail gunner in the Army Air Corps, flew B-17 missions wow. over Germany, and a lot of them, and somehow survived it. And when he got out, he went to the graduate school to, to use his, his um, uh, GI Bill in becoming an educator. He wanted to be a teacher, so he went into the teacher program and ended up a grade school teacher in Chino. And along the way, Chino asked him to teach art. And he didn't know a thing about art. And so he went back to CGU and started taking some classes. He said, I'll teach your classes, but you have to get me an art education. And so they did. And that's how he got into um, Claremont Graduate University in the art program. Now he ended up teaching there. And so he's been this this fixture in the Claremont colleges and the Claremont community ever since. And he and, and several LA artists uh, banded together in this group, had a real famous showing um, called the, 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 I guess it was just titled Abstract, um, uh, Hard Edge Abstraction. And they coined a movement within the art world and um, all, all four of them stayed prominent. Carl may have been the most prominent. Um, and he was a delightful fellow, shared what he, he'd go into the schools and, and uh, teach kids. And um, it, it, it's just been a delight to know him during that time in particular, and then later politically. So that's kind of the background. Okay, great. Um, and so he's sort of a figure of um, not only is a great artist, but he's the person who helped to educate a lot of the people who are in and around this area. And Very much so. His influence keeps going on. Yeah. And um, uh, I, 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 when I first went there, I didn't know who Carl Benjamin was, but I found that the, the, the mural kind of extraordinary, right? It's just, it's massive and it makes a big statement. And the, the, the face of the, Carl's face is really prominent, right? I love the blues too. Um, you, you all have, George, I think you've had a long association with Pomona. I was wondering if you could talk about your relationship with that, that piece. Uh, I mean, I do and I don't. My, my main association is through you um, and, and through the Don. Um, you know, I, I worked in uh, the Inland Empire in San Bernardino for many years. And so a lot of my um, exposure to, you know, doing performances of poetry or you know, anything like that were there. And I moved to um, Pomona about 10 years ago. 
And as such, I was trying to seek out, well, where, you know, where's the art, you know, where, where, you know, where can I go and read poetry and listen to poets and stuff? And I started going to the DA. And one of the things that really got me coming from San Bernardino, when San Bernardino had an arts colony, it wasn't really visible to you. you like, you know, you, they had a sign over a street as you would pass under it and say, you're entering the arts colony, but then you didn't really see anything. And when I got here, you know, I mean, one of the first things I started noticing in um, downtown Pomona was they had the, the antiques area and then they had the arts colony. And the murals really like, you know, there's, there's several murals. And um, the one that you're talking about really stood out to me, primarily just the, the graphic impact of it. Mm -hmm. And so it was something that kind of, you know, let me know, oh, you've arrived in the arts colony kind of like. And um, it was funny because we were talking about it. I was looking for, I photographed it a long time ago, but I can't find the photograph now. Uh, but it was one of those things that drew me to it. And, you know, like I said, it is something that um, I do feel in Pomona is that they have multiple venues where, um, whether it be the Arts Walk or, um, you know, or uh, photography studios in the area, bookstores in the area, there is a commitment in Pomona to try and foster people that are doing this. And so that was the main thing that I got out of it was that it was a visual kind of commitment. You know, like when you give up, you know, like that much space, it's, it's like, you know, the city is making a statement, you know, but also all of the people who, who created that piece of artwork. Um, and just like, like we were saying, like the, the, the use of blue is really outstanding to me. And I had no idea, like you know, I'm listening to Ken, and I had no idea how fascinating the story was behind the person that it's um, paying tribute to. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's a major component, uh, and it really helps us to know that this is a uh, a place of art that's gonna this is gonna continue to be art, right? This is a place of fostering, especially young people. There's a lot. And speaking of fostering young people, Matt, that's that's basically what you're doing with the Daw right now. You, you're 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 uh, I don't know. If, call it your art, your studio, your whatever the DAW is to you, yeah. 20 feet away from the building that right. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, I just want to say the first time I ever saw that painting uh, of, a, of a Paul Benjamin, I actually thought, well, I didn't know what I thought, but I was like, but the first, I, I didn't know what Carl Benjamin was. And then, you know, I've come to later with my experience with the DAW, find out more about him and more about, you know, some other people that are, have been honored um, in the, in the arts colony. But um when I first saw him, I thought it was uh, the actor Fernando Rey, uh, who appeared in a, a series of uh, uh, films by Luis Buñuel. Um, uh, for those of my familiar, like the discreet crime bourgeoisie is probably the most uh, famous movie that he was in, and he's like uh, he's kind of like the the politician, the real corrupt politician. Um, but yeah, he looked like Fernando Rey to me, and I was like, oh my god, this guy is uh, like the, uh, Pomona, Pomona's so cool. They got a mural of Fernando Rey for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that was my first uh, impression of seeing the mural. But um, of course, you know, Carl Benjamin is such a, an important artist um, for the Pomona, Claremont kind of area, one of the more, kind of one of the more famous uh, sons to, to pick up a, um, you know, to pick up a brush and canvas. So it's, it's, it's only right that uh, he's so prominently featured there in the arts colony. Um, but yeah, the work we do over at the DAW, um, recently, you know, I'm in charge of kind of the writing programs, um, taking more of an active step in that lately. Um, we're doing, I we just did a series uh, of writing workshops with seven-year-olds, actually seven to 10. That's and, great. Uh, yeah. What, what are you doing? Well, I did the three-act poem, but I, I, I did it a little differently. I, I think I have it right here. 
I did, you know, I had these slides, but I also have them printed out. So instead of just telling the, the way I normally do it, I actually created this thing where you, um, where, you know, because the way, I, the way I try to, the right way I write with my three-act poems is that it starts in the beginning, you world build in the middle, you give, you, you expand, and I offer details and go into a whole new world, and people are learning something they may not know, and at the end, kind of like a resolution to this whole thing that you've been given, right? It's like a story. So that's how I write. So I show people how to do that. But for kids, I, I did it this way, right? So act one is stop, get attention, right? So you get their attention like, sharks are so great. I'm going to write about sharks. You know, here's, here's sharks. Sharks are in the ocean. Sharks are this. You know, like sharks can be scaly. Sharks can be this, right? So they get their attention. You stop getting your attention with exciting information, right? Next part, slow down. Add your details. Add information. Teach the audience something new, right? Last part, go. Go tell the audience what you want them to do. So I have these kids writing like these political poems with a call to action at the end. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is really political, but I have, I have them writing at the end, like a call to action, you know, like go buy your puppy today, you know, like, you know, go, you know, go buy this video game, go, you know, like this. And so I had them, you know, write about different things and, and, uh, but I had them write in that structure, you know, the, the, the stop, slow down, go method. That seems really very much what, what, Ken was saying in the spirit of Carl Benjamin, right? And we've, we've still got that sort of influence. We've got, I think the Pomona Arts Colony isn't just about creating good art, which it does, good and great art, right? But the spirit is really, let's pass this on to the next generation too. Um, I think mo many, if not most of the studios in there offer some way of, of educating. And I think that, Ken, you, you know better than I, I think that comes directly from Benjamin's sort of spirit you know, the history of the art district really goes back a generation earlier than Carl Benjamin. Mm -hmm. uh, it comes back when, when um, Milford Zorns and his teacher, um, I'm blanking on his name, Mil uh, Miller Cheats, had um, kind of, they had gotten their feet on the ground in Claremont Academia. But then they sort of took it to the streets in Pomona, and they formed, and Miller Sheets formed um, a a gallery in there, a, a consortium of Pomona Valley artists called it called it that, and and that isn't there anymore. It's it's up in the uh, shopping center in Montclair now, but for decades it functioned down there. And that was pre-Benjamin, you know, and, and, and yet public art's been very much a part of Miller Sheets' life and, and his practice. And then the carrying that into the community at the Fairplex and, and then at downtown Pomona at the, at the gallery, that's what created the art district. And it has always had a community base. And, and that's its joy as well as its uniqueness. Well, I think there's what? There's maybe four or five Millard Sheets um, mosaics in, in the area. There's a lot more than that. It's amazing. He, and not just in Southern California, but mm -hmm. there's a, a book that was put together, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's put together by the Heritage. Mm. It's called Banking on Business. And no. Banking, banking on art, 
And it's about all of the big mosaics that come. And you can see his sort of a, a conversation about his work would be appropriate for this venue as well at some point. We will definitely do that. Yeah. Uh, does, does Milford Zorns, did he, I don't know him as a muralist, um, did, but does he have any pieces that are shown in the public? You've, you've seen his stuff. You've been in the Claremont Post Office, for instance. Uh-huh. And that uh, extensive mural that's maybe 12 inches high and 50 feet long uh, that wraps around the, the, the very top of the walls uh-huh. of pastoral California scenes and, you know, this kind of sense of building a town out of uh, wilderness, um, that was his. So, so the, the spirit of the, of the Pomona Arts Colony uh, is not just art, but art for everyone and passing on the skill to the next generation. Well, it's even, it's even crazier than that because, you know, this whole area used to be citrus, but before citrus, it used to be sagebrush. This was, this was a desert. And the Pomona County Fair was put together simply as a vehicle for a land rush. It was, it was designed to focus on the local agricultural um, industry, but then advertise that through its own advertising to folks in the Midwest or the East Coast, you know, suggesting that this would be a land of plenty if you came and bought land. And they did, and that's when the, the citrus groves moved in. The L.A. County Fair was part and parcel of that. Miller Cheats was part and parcel of building the fair. That's why it's always been, art has always been a community project in the Inland Empire. I don't know about the rest of you, but I've always felt very welcome in the, at least in the arts colony. You know, one or, okay. yeah. Um, I don't know if you can expand on that. Yeah. Um, there, there's a spirit. Well, one of the things I um, can somebody give like the the name Pomona, um, the goddess of plenty or or something like that, and that's that's one of the things that Ken was just saying. Like if this was kind of designed to represent that, was the name Pomona associated with that? I mean, was that absolutely was Pomona before everything? Yeah, it was. It it was associated with the goddess Pomona was chosen because. She would, with a with just a little bit of cyst from that water that you can purchase, would would turn this into a bountiful yeah. area. And you know, it's branding, you know, right from the get go. So it took me about five years to to find that out. I never really, you know, you don't really necessarily always think about well, what does this name mean? But yeah. um, then one day when I did kind of look into it. Um, it was interesting because this is chaparral or desert. Or, you know, I mean, it, it's like not where you really think of a lot of, uh, you know, bounty or, you know, a lot of right. growth or farming, but, you know, it's out here. Yeah, this was this was cattle land first, actually. Okay. Um, where the mission, the missions in the area. Oh, okay. And okay. cattle. And then when it turned over to the Mexican government, it became um, land grants. And the land grants um, were were to take the 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 
burden of debt that the Catholic Church had mounted up towards um, the Spanish government, and it and it relieved them of the debt, and they turned it into a a massive set of cattle ranches. And, and it's not a rich. This isn't like Central California, um, you know, grassy hillsides. Uh, this is sagebrush, and so they needed more land to productively do cattle. And then then from there on, it it transmogrified into um, more uh, agricultural crops instead of beef. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then artists were, artists were also kind of in, employed to try and publicize that, that yeah. this place was here and that they were looking for settlers. Yeah, see, Pomona College was simply a college relate, you know, connected to the town of Pomona. It happened up here in the in the brushland, but then Pomona College started started growing, and it it created the need for small town to supply it, and that's what Claremont. That's how Claremont got here to supply Pomona College and the burgeoning agricultural, um, you know tree groves and orchards and all that jazz as so you can see the growth it's it's kind of um for those of us who who are attached to the land it seems a bit cancerous perhaps but you know and then finally reach its ultimate crust which is the the subdivisions and and that's how it that's how it got here yeah yeah so the the art the artists in Pomona College first, and then Scripps and the others that attach to um, those artists uh, help build the valley through their their connection with the Fairplex and the 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 advertising that was necessary to to promote purchase of of the la- the land and turn it into. So, so it's it's part and parcel, you know. The artist colony, it it may be kind of a it seems like like a an odd thing that just sort of grew in the midst of a metropolis. It's not. The the artists helped lead the way. Yeah, it's interesting too. Matt, Matt has a statistic uh, about the density of arts and poetry in Pomona, and how how much more. I mean, it seems like a natural outgrowth. Ben, what was that you were telling me? Well, no, I was saying that, that, that um, I mean, it's always been this way, but like as of right now, I mean, it's COVID, right? But um, before COVID, I think there was like six open mics in like two square block radius uh, in Pomona in terms of poetry uh, that were regularly happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been as many in, in, in the last like decade or so as eight. So, I mean, there's just, so, and they're, and they're different. I mean, so the, 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 the poetry open mics, that exist today, they're held at either the Daw, Gothic on Libros, um, or the Alley Gallery. And I think um, I think Vital Pomona was going to start up one too. So, so the, the amount of open mics that are there, um, that they're they're always in, in the in the it's actually a lot higher. So that's kind of kind of what's unique about the the Pomona Arts Colony. So you think about like mm-hmm. Riverside has an art walk, um, downtown LA has an art walk. Um, Santa Ana has an art walk, so there's, there's art walks, you know, throughout throughout the throughout you know kind of the LA metropolitan or LA metropolitan OC, Southern California, right? Be- not going all the way to San Diego, right? But um, but there's nowhere that has that much poetry um, anywhere in California, 
and probably the nation. I mean, just that that many open mics in that just like you know, that, that compressed area, yeah, across yeah. the street from each other, you know, yeah, yeah, and, and with with audiences in both, right? Uh, what I always found fascinating, I used to run uh, an art uh, poetry reading in the Da, and you'd go in there and you'd have your poetry reading, and like over here there'd be like a tap dance class and over here there'd be a painting class i mean all the stuff it's not just poetry it's all the stuff going on all at once in in this very compressed area um what is it two or three square blocks something like that um and uh but but part of it is the is the murals too the public arts um you can you can spend a, a lot of, i have spent a lot of time just kind of wandering around finding all these little niche things um it, 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 you were talking ken I was, I was thinking about the um advertising for the the citrus groves as well which forms its own kind of art right well the you have uh, citrus labels you yeah. know you know about those they they're now collectors items but but what they were was branding the the sunkiss company would would run some of the packing houses and they would slap sunkiss labeling on and that 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 picture that would be on it in the background um, behind the words was about this this land of plenty this 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 garden spot well this this isn't that i mean this is only the land of plenty if you divert the colorado river and steal the water then it becomes the land of plenty or or you take it from the northern california and but the but the myth was that gee, you just sprinkle a little water and pam, your your fortune grows up, and that would be reinforced with the artwork for citrus labeling, the artwork for for um, advertising for the LA County Fair, artwork for various kinds of of um, promotional stuff that would come out from any of the the financial. Um, engagements in the area mm-hmm. so it so it sort of created this this mystique about it and it was successful we're you know we're still selling land huh, yeah that's true yeah. uh it greatly increased prices at this point right? it sure does <laughs> ordinarily expensive to be here yes um okay so um this during this time of covid it's it's nearly impossible to go to a museum um, even when they are open, and right now, uh, currently, they're not. Uh, but we've got these great public places. Uh, Pomona functions as an outdoor museum, and it's it's beautifully curated, and sometimes not curated in a beautiful way. Um, do y'all? Before we go out, do y'all have a favorite piece that you'd like people to go to and see? Well, Carl Benjamin's grave is also on. Um, I don't know what that is. There's a we call it like a phone like booth and not booth but like a those those metal things that have something to do with phones <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's one of magoo on there as well which is also really great that's over by the dial right across right across the street so I, I really like that so of course the carl benjamin mural is huge and check that out but also check out the phone installation of uh of magoo oh that's cool I, I did not i've not seen that i need to check that out i, I like the fountain the mosaic of the pomona goddess um that was what made me actually look up what Pomona was, but um, what is that on? That's on, is that on Main? Is that on uh, Second? 
I think that's on second. Okay, yeah, but uh, but there's the um, there's the mos- It's a fountain, and it has a mosaic of the uh, goddess Pomona, and that that's one of my favorite pieces. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that was done in the late '50s or early '60s, when they took that whole strip that was Second Street, and they turned it over to being a pedestrian only. Um, yeah shopping mall and they did all kinds of of architectural things to enhance that impression because they wanted to encourage shopping in in Pomona that was one of the pieces that came up and was built at that time I don't know who did it uh, and now you got my curiosity up because that's that's an interesting one of the things that one of the things that occurs to me is that um there's no graffiti on it you know it, it's yeah, I, I feel as though the community really respects it, and I think that that's important too. Yeah. So, but yeah. I'm sorry, John, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, so I, I, was, I believe it was one of the people who worked with Carl, ben, not Carl Benjamin, um, Miller Sheets, somebody from his studio, um, and uh, I, I believe it was, yeah. it was a woman who did it. Um, but I, I, I'm going to check that out, and and, and yeah. I think that's a good one to talk about next time. Um, talk about that Pomona image. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Ken? Would, do you have one that you'd like us all to visit? Oh gosh, there's there's just so much. I'm I'm stuck in a modernist mode most of the time. So the one that I love most, I mean, you might it it it's controversial whether it's public art or corporate art. But remember, um, Millard Sheets had had huge contracts with I think it was Home Savings and Loan. Uh-huh. To put up mosaic and and the woman you're talking about who made the one in Pomona, I think made um, made a lot of those or worked as an assistant. I'm blanking on her name too. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of those banks is is in Claremont, and it's on the corner of Indian Hill and Foothill, and it used to be a home savings loan, then became. Uh, Pacific something, and I'm not sure what it is now. It's changed hands a bunch of times. But the mosaic on the south-facing wall is one of, um, you know, it's a a picture of Kauia Indians uh, in, in the supposed natural habitat and supposedly how they live. It goes beyond all that. It's it's just this transcendent ethereal piece that has less to do with with history, more to do just with the, the stunning graphics of it. That is, that's my choice. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's great. This is the, the uh, this is inland poets talk about inland art, and uh, hope to see you next time. So, bye everybody. Okay.